The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling and college basketball is ready to go as well. BetOnline remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing, and BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to BetOnline today and remember to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. This is Sean Clark, head football coach of App State Mountaineers, and you're listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. I got to join the show. It sounds, it sounds a lot of fun. Fun Belt Podcast, part of the Believe Network, coming in with everything James Madison, apparently, on the Believe Network. I mean, we have Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record, Heisman Trophy, voter, All-American extraordinaire. He's just oozing with purple and gold right now, Jeremy. I, I don't know what to do. Jeremy Harper of HowRazor.com. I'm, of course, Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Reports. It was all JMU all the time this past weekend. Jeremy, please tell us your thoughts on JMU. Oh, absolutely. We should change this podcast to the Duke Belt podcast. I mean, all things all Dukes, right? Because the Dukes are polled in the AP Top 25 for football, polled for the AP Top 25 in basketball. They're in the National NCAA Soccer Tournament. I don't know. Oh, and college game day is coming, Dusty, for the game versus Appalachian State. What are, what's happening here, Dusty? You and I, our teams have told in the Sun Belt for decades. I'm just disappointed. I mean, Shane calls Corso and gets him to come to his house. Oh, wow. Yet he, yet he won't come on the show. Corso Shane, won't come on the show? Shane, explain <laughs> yourself. Why, why is Corso not coming on the show? I don't know. I have not spoken to them yet. I yet. Yeah. I, I yeah. I, I think we're gonna get to talk to all those guys on Friday. So I'll report back on why if any of them want to come do Fun Bell podcast. I'll I'll see what we can do about that. Let me ask you this, Shay. So it's game day. They come to Harrisonburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> Harrisonburg. Yes, it's capital of Pennsylvania, Harrisonburg. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, who who is the guest picker, the celebrity picker that comes they out? They have not the- announced that yet. Oh. But they did announce the Jonas Brothers are coming. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now, the, who, who would it be, though, Shay? Who would be? I don't know. There are some possibilities. I mean, there's – you could go – with a former football player, maybe like a Charles Haley. Yeah. Somebody yeah. like that. Okay. Or right. you could go maybe um, out of that realm. There's not a ton of like I guess, huge celebrities. There's uh, there's Jim Acosta from CNN. He's, he's oh. one of the more prominent uh, JMU grads. Okay. Jim Acosta. Uh, 
Sure. I, I heard somebody toss out the possibility of Odyssey Alexander, who was like the star of the softball run a couple of years ago, was all over ESPN yeah. for for a oh, couple yeah. weeks. Then, um, you know, maybe bring her out, show a few highlights, and uh-huh. do that. I don't know. I don't know if they're um, anticipating getting somebody big. That's why they haven't like announced it yet. I don't know. I feel like you could always go like, given the basketball team cracking the top twenty-five, you could always just pull Mark Byington over there, like as a, you know, a safe choice. So I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, here in the next day or two, we'll know and have something to talk about. Yeah, that we've had this discussion with Arkansas State fans. Who would be that celebrity person from Arkansas State? And you know what? We've got the voice of Squidward from SpongeBob. Oh, that's cool. He's an Arkansas. Yeah, but- he can come out in a come out in costume and yeah. We also have Melissa McBride. She's like some sort of country star. Uh, yeah. she's, she's out there now. I don't particularly listen to a lot of her country. She has a great song about taking off your bra, and that's about it. But uh, yeah, well, who Tibbs from ULM? Who would who would who would be the celebrity guest speaker? I think you got several choices. Okay. You have okay the legendary Tim Brando. Oh, of course, yeah. Tim McGraw. <laughs> wow, Tim McGraw. You have me, of course. Yeah, yeah, that would be the obvious choice. Stan Humphreys, Super Bowl champion. Okay, sure, yeah. Uh, Joe Prophet, former NFL first overall draft pick. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, okay. Aren't there okay. some, uh, like... Reality stars or something. <laughs> Only one of them actually went to school there at ULM. Yeah. Only Willie. Uh-huh. The rest are tech or uh, Harding grads. Oh. Well, one I do wonder about for this week. I, I don't know if they're famous enough. Do you guys know Old Crow Medicine Show? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I attended one of their concerts. Yeah. They're there, you know, like their original lineup were like mostly from Harrisonburg. And then they went to Boone. And got discovered. Oh. So I feel like that would be like a pretty good one for this mm, game. So maybe, maybe we'll see. I don't know. I, I wondered they, if they're like well known enough, but didn't they do a version of Wagon Wheel that was they really did they fun? they wrote Wagon Wheel and yeah, then, okay. and then yeah. Darius Rucker like yeah, just had a bigger hit with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I saw them in Nashville. Yeah, I did. I, I wasn't familiar with them, but I am now. Yeah. So also, you know, included with the game day. That's great. Big win over uh, – we, we talked about JMU's big win over Michigan State. They beat Kent State in overtime. But that was part of the MAC challenge. And the MAC challenge, we didn't do so bad, Tibbs. Uh, the girls, what was it, 9-3? Nine 9-3. And three? Nine and three. Did some good jobs. I know Arkansas State came in there with a win to start it off. And then uh, for the men, we – what was it? What was what was the final tally, Tibbs? 5-7. Uh, Okay, five seven on the road, not too bad. You know the Warhawks come away with a big win. After Tibbs was pretty upset about that that Houston loss, felt like you know the team was in really dire straits. Came away with a big win against what Central Michigan, right? The Chippewas. The yeah. I don't know if the game really happened because there was nobody there to witness it. At, at one point, watching the stream, I think there were two cheerleaders and maybe three parents in the stands. Wow. You know, when watching the game against uh, Bowling Green, Arkansas State fell to Bowling Green by, I, I think, six points. It was a, there was a, it was well attended. I don't know if Bowling Green is just, you know, like a big basketball school or if they're expected to do well. I think our 
only expected to finish sixth in the MAC. But it was a big crowd. I see that Georgia State they won their game. That was nice. Who else came out big winners in the MAC? Uh, the MAC Sun Belt Challenge. Um, there was a team from Harrisonburg did okay in their game. It was a little bit wild, but they wound up winning. I think that was yeah. the best game or the most exciting game. I should oh, say. Of course. I would think so. <laughs> I mean, it was high profile. I mean, you, you had what five, seven points there in the last five, ten seconds of the game that really sent it to overtime, and then James Madison able to get it done in overtime over a good Kent State team. Yeah, I mean that's that's the kind of game this thing was designed for. This challenge is to get those good teams playing against each other. You know, give you a chance for one of those. You know, that might end up being a quad two type of win by the end of the season, winning that one on the road, and then, and then the MAC teams are going to get a chance to do the same thing in February when they come visit the Sun Belt team. So, um, you know, that's that's the reason they're playing these things. I think the biggest head scratcher out of those games, though, was South Alabama. I mean, you go from losing to Crosstown. Yes. Mobile NAIA program to really kind of handily defeating Buffalo 70 to 56. I don't know what to think of the South Alabama team anymore. <laughs> that's the that's the problem with South Alabama, right, Dusty? Yeah. They, they, they just do this to us. They, they don't play to win. They play to futz with our emotions. Yeah, are we talking about football again here? Like, I don't know. Football, but, uh, basketball, baseball, yeah. soccer, anything that they play, they just want to screw with our minds. But hey, you know what the best thing about losing the mobile if you're South Alabama is no. it doesn't really count. It's not gonna be in the net rankings. <laughs> like, you know, it's your it's your overall record, but like when they start figuring up net rankings, kin bomb, all that stuff, like it doesn't really count. So that's right here in the heart though, Shay. Yeah, I mean it doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt any of the rest of the Sun Belt. Yeah, yeah, because everybody's gonna forget that game happened. Yeah, and, just, and it's not going to hurt anybody's strength of schedule or net ranking um, or anything. I'm like, not that uh, you, I'm that's the thing. You play those NAIA or Division three games or whatever, and you, you lose that. That's better than losing to like the number three hundred and ten ranked Division one team, which would be um, yes, yes. You're absolutely right about that. But you know what? All right, all jealousy aside, which I, there is, you know, you, you feel a little jealous when you see JMU get all these accolades. I feel a little jealous about it, but I also feel good about it. And I'll tell you why. It really puts a great spotlight on the Sun Belt. Uh, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. I truly do believe that. And to see this kind of exposure for the Sun Belt is actually very incredible, considering what Shane and I, or not Shane, what Tibbs and I have seen starting at the very, you know, the very beginning of the Sun Belt when it was really the joke league in the in the 90s and the early zeros look how far we've come so congratulations to jmu and thanks thanks JMU for for elevating everybody's game on the women's side mm -hmm. you know because ulm got a win there unlike uh your red wolves the women win my red wolves won okay on the so women didn't win on the women's side the Dukes yeah, did not they win. Blew, they blew a twenty-one point lead. Ooh, damn! So if you want, if you want to, if you want a little Shoden fraud, right? I actually, I feel kind of better. Tips the Warhawks won, right? The women, Lady Warhawks. Yeah, they beat the Red Hawks of yeah, Miami of Ohio. 
the Red Wolves, they won. They beat uh, Northern Illinois, the Huskies. So, Shane, you're saying that the Dukes didn't pull their end of the bargain on the women's side? They didn't. Toledo is a very good women's basketball team. Oh, I think sure, they're going to. Sure, sure. Yeah. 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 But, Troy, but, uh, Troy lost as well, by the way. 86-71 well, uh, yeah. to Ball State. So um, a lot of the top teams kind of struggled, but, you know, that's what we really wanted was these mid-tier teams to match up against mid-tier to, to really help elevate them that way. I do wonder, though, with James Madison losing, was, was Neil Harrow's hair okay? Was that the difference in the game? It, it looked fine, and they they rebounded. They won at Xavier. Hmm. Um, well, I don't know. I, my, my days are getting mixed up. It was recent. Saturday. It was right after the football game. But you know, the they rebounded. That I think they're going to be okay. Neil's fun looks good. I saw him yesterday. I think I think uh, the Dukes will be okay on the women's basketball side of things. I'm offended that he's talking about another man's bun. <laughs> on the gridiron, we shift gears back to what we all love talking about: good old college football. Thursday night action last week. We were all dead. Wrong. Saying the Cajuns were going to defend their home turf against Southern Miss. It didn't happen. Southern uh, Miss came in, won it in overtime 34-31. Once again, the Frank Gore show as he was able to help propel his team to the victory. They're not in bowl contention. But Southern Miss has got to be one of the hottest teams right now in the Sun Belt Conference, right? Well, begging your pardon, Dusty, but Hal Razor did predict that Southern Miss was going to win that game. Because Southern Miss was really on a roll. They had the momentum, right? They had won, They had come close against Appalachian State, finding their offense after they fired Will Hall as offensive coordinator. Uh, Will Hall firing Will Hall. It worked out. Then had that win over uh, whomever. I can't remember. Was it ULM? Yeah, they had the win over ULM. And then uh, <laughs> playing, <laughs> they're playing the Cajuns. I just felt like they had the momentum. The Cajuns don't have momentum. You know, the Cajuns just feel like they're spinning their wheels. It's like they, they're they on that fifth win, and they cannot close escrow. I'm beginning to fear for their chances, Dusty. Uh, I tell you, the team that I'm more fearful of and we'll talk about shortly is Texas State. They go river dancing there to get their sixth win, and um, Viva La Boobcat, where, where are you now? But, yeah, in, in the Southern Miss Cajuns game, Four Golden Eagles attempted a pass. None threw for over 100 yards with Billy Wiles only throwing for 99 yards on wow. 8 of 13. It was the Frank Gore show with 33 carries, 158 yards, two touchdowns, and really the defense making key stops against the Cajuns. Saw a lot of things on the Twitter sphere. People were not happy with the officiating and spotting the ball, saying that they should have been in the end zone, but they weren't. Doesn't matter. Everybody gets the bad calls one game or another. It didn't go the Cajuns' way, and it showed. Uh, but the Eagles, I mean, uh, they're soaring late. Uh, maybe somebody didn't clip their wings fully, but they're they're definitely back right now. You know, something we should note is the moment we said that Frank Gore was, had a kind of a disappointing season this year, that's when he started upping his game. It's almost like he, he listens to the show and use that show as toxic fuel to fuel his powerful rage against the rest of the Sun Belt. I'm sure that's what happened. <laughs> this is a little off topic, but 
Dusty talks about uh-huh. some complaints about spotting the ball. I'm just going to have you guys noticed that that seems to have been an issue like all season that they sort of like are hasty with their spotting. They never measure anything. Oh, and it's just kind of like, you know, I mean, they're keeping the game moving along, but I, I just feel like the spotting and the like deciding what's a first down has been a little shaky all season. Shane, these are professionals. They are <laughs> yeah. experts. They know exactly how the rules work. They know exactly where the ball is in reference to the first down marker and the ball spot. They know where the line of scrimmage is. They know where the back of the end zone, the front of the end zone, sideline to sideline. I can't believe that you would question the integrity of fun belt officiating. It's not integrity. I just feel like, you know, with the emphasis on moving the game along, that that's one thing where they maybe have a sacrifice a little bit. My I other question, though, is, you know, if you watch tennis on TV, they yeah. have the little chips in the ball that can tell you yeah. if it's out by a millimeter. I know. Why don't we have that? Like, technology? why can't, why don't we have that technology in the most popular sport, like in the country? I, I at least at the high that, levels. That, all right. I, I'll weigh it a little bit on that, Jay. Uh, it, the, the whole thing you said about spotting the ball and about the technology, you know, there's a big push in, in the Major League Baseball, for instance to have digital umpires instead of, uh, you know, human umpires. And I always thought that it was the human element, the foibles of being a human was just kind of part of the game. Yeah. Like when, when people kind of complain about the refs uh, in football games and kind of contribute that to their loss, I always think that's a loser's sort of argument. I mean, there's a there's like, I don't know, a hundred plays that happen in football. And you're going to blame that one play that the umpire was off on a spot or didn't catch the personal foul or whatever. And you're going to say, well, that was the reason why we lost. I never really understood that. I always liked that there was a human element that could sort of like spin the game in some way. What do you guys think about that? Would you prefer perfection or would you prefer that, that humans maintain control no matter how imperfect? Well, I think Absolutely. in football – we're never going to get rid of the debates about holding pass interference, like all that stuff. But I feel like you could use the technology to just put the ball where, where it actually was. Yeah. We got GPS. What about you, Dusty? You've been in the upper echelons of baseball. You know how that works. What do you think? Uh, I think in, in the collegiate level, I think Mm -hmm. the human element is just fine. Uh But I think when you're getting into the professional ranks and maybe this is again, P five G five discussion, when you have millions of dollars on the line of a game that you want it to be as uh, fair and neutral as possible. And so you're going to want to have every uh, technological advantage that you can just like Michigan had in their contest. (laughs) I love how Michigan has become like, they, they're acting like uh, they're the most persecuted team in America. Oh, we no. must try it. We'll find some way. <laughs> We're America's I, team now. <laughs> I love how the arbitrator that was going to do the uh, temporary restraining order, they had to edit his bio to take out that he played football at Michigan. <laughs> I, know, I'm like, I feel like the cards are a little stacked here. Oh, <laughs> uh, Michigan. Uh the midday game in good old fun row. John Summer all alluded to it even uh, in the postgame comments after his 45-14 point victory over the Warhawks. He's like, I don't know what it is about Monroe. Maybe it's the Bermuda Triangle. Maybe it's just some kind of weird 
voodoo on the bayou, but they were able to overcome it. Ironically, as much as Troy just really kind of dominated the game, the Warhawks did some things that kind of flew in under the radar. You know, uh, I saw on the Twitter sphere or the X sphere, however you want to say it, Jeremy. I don't even know. There was a lot of praise for ULM's offensive line that, you know, the good defensive front that Troy has, that they were really able to keep them uh, at bay. With that said, Solomon had, what, five sacks, four sacks to set a school record. But you're not going to really be able to uh, consistently contain a talent like that on every single snap. Additionally, ULM's 14 points, that's the only two touchdowns that Troy's given up this year to Sunbelt Conference opponents. Yeah, two in, in one game, yeah. Yeah. So take that, JMU. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people were pointing that out on the X slash Twitter about how well the Warhawks played that game. You know, it, it you know, it, it again, it's a loser's mentality to find extract uh, so much good out of a loss. But really, there's just a lot of good that's going on at ULM. It just has to be put together. It's not like that. There is it's hopeless at ULM. It just seems like they're a recruiting class away from being dangerous in the Sun Belt. Would you agree with that, Dusty? Some years, <laughs> uh, other years, I don't know. The chief is pissed and eating eating players or who knows what. But it, it's it's just it's frustrating that it can't all come together. This year, you might have a great offense but no defense next year. It's a great defense with no offense the year after that everyone's hurt. So you don't know what kind of team you have the year after that special team snakes bite you. And then it just kind of rinse repeat on a cycle. It, it, it never kind of goes according to plan. Yeah. Yeah. And what's, what's bad when, when you don't have huge depth either is that your margins for error are so thin, dusty, you, you can't be like, lose a a prime uh defensive lineman in spring in, in spring game and just come up with another guy to take his place that's like your season right there so yeah i understand that there's just it's it's frustrating when you feel like you got all the pieces and you just don't make it at that time and then and then that year passes and you're in another four-year rebuild i'm just excited that we have $76 million to fire our, our head coach. <laughs> it's so obscene. It's, <laughs> it's gross. It's oh, yeah. Well, you know, and somebody was pointing out about coaching salaries. And I think it was what, God, seven or eight years ago when um, Notre Dame fired. Oh, God, who that guy? Charlie, Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss. It was like an $18 million buyout. Everybody's like, oh, God, that's awful. Now that's the third, only the third highest buyout. Only. <laughs> Gus Malzahn's was like $22 million in, in Auburn, and now the, triple the amount of Gus Malzahn's. That's just a crazy amount of money that Texas A&M has to spend. And, like, I mean, it's not like they wooed Nick Saban away. I mean, Jimbo, I mean, Jimbo Fisher, he, he was good. I mean, one, one at Florida State, yeah, but did they have to pay that to get him? Like, I don't no, know. Did they have to give him the extension? Yeah, I mean, it's that's what's insane. I wrote, like, yeah, you're, I wrote, you're creating your own your own uh, market to bid against. There, it's nuts. 
Yeah, when they set up that 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 extension and, and talked about the buy, I was like, good God, is, is it really worth retaining this guy? I mean, you, you're at Texas A&M. You can find a suitable replacement if, if Jimbo decides to walk. I, I don't know. It's just like it's, I feel like some of these guys have so much money, they just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And meanwhile, you know, we have programs out there that's, you know, still looking for an indoor practice facilities, still, you know, looking for refurbishments, still scared that they're not going to be able to keep their players in NIL. And then you got a program that can just pay $72 million to a departed coach without blinking an eye. It's obscene. Yeah. Jeremy, why is everything you talk about ULM based? That's all I want to know. <laughs> well, they're my benchmark for, for futility. So oh, thank you. I'm glad we, we live rent-free in that house. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. The, ne the next game, mm -hmm. the guy that very well could be the next A&M head coach, Jamie oh. Chadwell of the Liberty Flames. Wow. He got a little bit of sunbelt in his life. Of all the people, that wasn't the one I expected you to no, say. No, I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that could be. Yeah, that kind of works. <laughs> I was 38 to 10 over <laughs> Old Dominion. It wasn't even really close. Chadwell was a little pissed in the post game that how dare the the media not respect Conference USA and Liberty. <laughs> and I turned it off after he said that. I was like, I'm done, dude. Uh, well, we were one of those guys. So. Well, they still are. <laughs> yeah. As, as, as right as I was about Southern Miss, I was completely wrong about Old Dominion being too weird to lose that game. And they never look like they're in that game. Anymore. No, they didn't show up. Yeah, I, I expected a lot more from ODU. Like, I expected it to be close. I thought they had a chance to win. And just just ugly, ugly first half. Like, I, I, I was shocked. And, you know, Chadwell can brag as much as he wants about beating, you know, one of, one of the uh, teams at the bottom of the East. But... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I but saw it was a Sunbelt team. Yeah, I saw some CSA chatter kind of like doing where they kind of wiping their hands and go, Well, I guess that solves the mystery as to whether CSA is better than 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 the Sunbelt. <laughs> like, well, congratulations, your number one big team beat ODU. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> you get into a lot of uh, comparative scores too. Um I don't know if you've noticed that uh JMU and Liberty fans don't tend to like each other too much. Uh, there seems to be some tension. But, you yeah. know, when you, uh, when you become as arrogant as JMU, that's going to happen. Yeah, well, you, but you get a lot of the score. I mean, yeah, there's enough arrogance to go around between the two of them. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, this you get to, like, well, we beat ODU worse than you beat ODU. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that's not on the side of JMU, though. Yeah, no, those, yeah. Are the, those are the arguments I'd like the Red Wolves to one day be part of again. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully one day. The sleepwalking match, as, as Shane so eloquently put it in our DM oh, thread that we have good. blowing up on Saturdays, what but still that? able to pull it out 44 to 6 over the Yukon Huskies. Ooh. Shane, were you really that scared at the game, or, or, or were you just kind of tongue in cheeking that, that it was not a complete blowout in the first 30 seconds of the game? Yeah, I mean, sleepwalking is what I said. I don't think I was ever particularly worried. I mean, um, UConn never looked that uh, capable of scoring a touchdown in that game. And, you know, JMU kind of, they 
sort of become a little bit of a pattern here in the last few weeks is that the offense takes a few series where they it's the opposite of the beginning of the season, but they take a few series where they're just kind of feeling things out. And then by the middle of the second quarter, they start moving the ball and putting some points on the board. So yeah, didn't think Jamie was in too much danger of losing that one, but it wasn't um, immediate boat race. Like I think a lot of people were expecting. No, you know, sometimes you play down to your competition, right? You know, hard yeah. to get up, get up for UConn after, you know, playing so many high profile games, but yeah, it, it it did like you know it was classic trap game you, yeah. you know you know app state's coming to town next week you know uconn's got a terrible record it's not a conference game it you kind of see why maybe uh it was like i said sleepwalking through maybe the first yeah 15 and, I'm, minutes. and i'm sure quite the opposite i'm sure the huskies were up for the game right you know they yeah. they come in they 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 they've only got that win against rice and then they're like okay here's a top 25 team we can salvage our season with a little bit of pride if we, we stick it to the dukes but didn't really have enough horses for that i guess yeah i mean it was a team that like they uh they obviously knew they they could play spoiler and you know they're they're sending a ton of guys early in the game they're breaking out some trick plays and stuff and kind of once that all gets figured out like it, there's not that much left for uconn to do yeah, the trick plays. I, I they 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 pulled out a trick play, right? Didn't they? Compete? They had a couple, yeah. Right, yeah. So, yeah, that's how you that's how you beat JMU Tibbs. It's it's you got to pull out the bag of trick plays. But they didn't well, quite get the first down on the fake oh, punt they tried. So, that's too bad. yeah. Another lesson we learned on Saturday: you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Oh, okay. That from App State head coach Sean Clark when his team was stopped from praying at midfield in the ATL and his team rallied to down the Panthers 42 14 is Georgia state just dead now Well, they have two road games left going to LSU this week and then old dominion. Are they going to get win number seven or, or are they done? I'll, I'll, I'm happy to answer that. I think they're done. And, you know, I think Shane and I kind of had a little back and forth about talking about that talking about what's kind of happened to Darren Granger and the team. They, I agreed with Shane. They just seem to be out of gas, Tibbs. You know, Darren Granger started off hot. Uh, he was like the – he and, and T.J. Finley, who's also had some struggles, both were two quarterbacks that were like the Heisman candidates of the Sun Belt. And now both of them just seem to be a little bit winded. And the whole team at Georgia State seems that way too. That defense just seems to be getting worse and worse. Uh, the 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 team attitude seems to be getting worse and worse. It's like they had that stretch where they were riding high, and they were coming up to approaching that game with James Madison for control over the East, and everything just kind of died for them. It's like they lost their will to football. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, like like we were talking about, you know, Darren Granger, Marcus Carroll. They've got two really good players there, and. What else do they have? They've they've ridden those guys the entire season, and I think they've taken a little bit of a beating. I think they, um, I think teams have figured out too that you know that's who you game plan against is those two guys, and if you slow them down a little bit, you're in pretty good shape. And you know, I was kind of joking when I said this to you, Jeremy, like off air, 
messaging or whatever, but other teams also get to play some home games every once in a while. <laughs> like Georgia State never plays in front of their own fans. Oh, no. Oh, oh that's brutal, Shane. Oh, hey, that's not me and Tibbs, uh, Fun Belt audience. That's Shane. <laughs> the smirching yet another fan base. Megan From the perch Brady. of JMU. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Uh, I'm talking even more about the App State game. Like, did there was nobody there? That was that was rough. Yeah, you know what are the problems there? I, I, I was kind of talking a little offline to there. Who's their guy? It's not Ben Moore. Their their guy that works with Ben Brady. Moore. Brady. Brady. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking a little bit with Brady about that. You know, here's the thing about you know Georgia State. It's it's a it, it's a urban school. It's it, it's it's one of those schools that a lot of people uh, we, we are, are trying. You know, they live at home, but they go to that campus. So there's a lot of it's tough building a legacy there, and so it's tough building a fan base. And they're doing their best to try to make it more of a destination type of university, more dormitories, more more uh, fraternity action, more the or Greek action, more that kind of stuff. But that takes time. You know, they're trying to do this in like a, you know, within a decade. And that's impossible to do. I, you, you just got to, you know, wait it out. You know, do your best. Don't ignore the people talking about, you know, how empty the stadium looks. Just keep on plugging away. And eventually it will happen. Yeah. When I was there a couple of weeks ago, the one thing I couldn't help but think about a little bit, you know, coming up from the, you know, DMV area, I started thinking about Georgetown basketball. Mm. And if you said like in the late seventies, like Georgetown basketball would ever be as big as Maryland yeah. or anything, you know, they just didn't have the fan base in DC. And I can see some similarities between Georgia state and Georgetown in that regard, different kinds of schools, but you know, okay. and I don't know, maybe I'm about to like get myself canceled, even bringing up race, but like Georgetown hired somebody who made them the black DC's team. Yeah. And I think like Georgia state could do something like that. I mean, if they ever, you know, are looking for another coach, not, not to say they should move on from Sean Elliott or anything like that, but like, you know, you got to find your niche in a city like that and it's possible to do, but it, it's, it's, it'll be, it'll be tough. But I think there's, there's an Avenue to like, you know, get some people on your side down there. I think they're taking some of the right steps in that regard, Shane, and that they're kind of positioning themselves as Atlanta's team, you know, just trying to, they're the city's team. They they try to market themselves at that. I think that's smart. It's just going to take some time, especially when you got such big name brands around you, even like Georgia Tech, which is an egghead school. (laughs) But I mean, they still have a big, you know, football fan base in that town. Imagine being in a city and having somebody having to compete with in that same city, uh, a, a fan base like that, and then to, of course have Georgia and Georgia Southern and all these others. It's just it's not easy to be Georgia State and have a fan base. Yeah, well, and, and then, remember this program is not that old. I mean, oh, no. two thousand and eight. I mean, it, it's it's not even really legal to to drink yet. Yeah, well, and then I mean. They've got some other things behind the scenes they got to like do better at too. I mean, they have one. I think they they think they're in the process of hiring him. They have one sports information director for their entire athletic department. Like, they've got you know that mm-hmm. you're not getting your message out the, that way. And you know, there's we 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 joke about Turner Field 
and Center Park Stadium and be at a baseball stadium and stuff. But there's stuff they could do. Like they, they've got to clean it up, fix it up a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they they got to find some money. They've got to make some investments and somewhere along the way, kind of like find their niche of what they're going to be to Atlanta. And then something that Dusty said that that makes perfect sense too is because they've only started playing football. What was it, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, or whatever? Two thousand eight. That's barely a decade. Think about where you were if once you graduated. Where were you in life? In terms of financial stability, in terms of your your relationships, in terms of your career, you weren't really prepared to be a legacy fan of your of your college team. You, know, you might go to the games yeah. sometimes, but you, you don't. There wasn't like this. You weren't. This is what they're relying on to be their legacy donors. It's a bunch of guys that are still working on their careers after graduating from Georgia State. It's going to take at least another generation before they finally have that affluent fan base that can be counted on to fill the coffers of the NIL, to become boosters, to have you know the, the ears of the administration. That's going to take some time before you see that kind of pride. Yeah, and you don't have a single like adult fan who could say, I, yeah, I, I grew up going to Georgia state fake with my dad. Lifelong like, you know, fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. My yeah. mom, my dad, me. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have that. No. Hell, even y'all in Arkansas state has that. Yeah. That was yeah. my first ever game. Yep. Northeast, Northwest. <laughs> I love another classic. Yeah. Another classic game. Southwest Texas state. I'm, I'm going old school with it. Traveled to the East Coast to play the Sea Chickens of Coastal Carolina. Still Grayson McCollis. Still doesn't matter. Nah. Shots get the win. 31-23. Different team. Same question. TJ Finley. The Boobcats. They go swimming. And now they just look like they are uh, hand up looking for a life raft to try to get to win number seven. I told y'all, just because they made it to six, doesn't mean that they are guaranteed a slot in the bowl. They got to get to seven to improve their their chances. That, that Otherwise, we could be looking at another six and six <laughs> that's sitting why, at home and saying, Marcus. Yeah, so that's why this game with Arkansas State they have coming up is so important. Listen, here's here's a couple of things that you can take away from that game. One, once again, the Sun Belt West is not doing very well against the Sun Belt East. And two, when we talked about that game last week, guys, we were like, man, we're not sure who's going to win this. It's going to be a close one. We all thought that Coastal was somehow going to pull out the win. But, man, it wasn't really even close, guys. I mean, it was just kind of a pounding from Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, guys, is back. I believe they're on top of the standings. No offense to you, Shane, until <laughs> all these things get figured out. Exactly. But right now, Coastal is the top dog, and I don't think we saw that coming, guys. No, not not without Grayson McCall too. I no. mean, you know, they they've done well. And to go back to Texas State a little bit, I will say this: I, I have uh, been paying attention to how many bowl eligible teams there might end up being, and I think at six and six, they're going to be pretty safe. There's about ninety eight percent chance that uh, that every six and six team gets into a bowl. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> yeah, and so. <laughs> What with that said, with that said, isn't this taking... all gravy for the Bobcats right now? I mean, they bring in GJ, they mm -hmm. start winning, they're going to go to a bowl game. Anything else this year, I think they just got to feel like, 
you know, that's just a cherry on top, right? I think human nature says once you start getting that taste of victory, you get yeah. spoiled, right? And here, I'm sure Bobcats fans are seeing some of these losses and go, oh, my God, it's time. The old Bobcats are rearing their heads. Oh, we should be so much better than this. Why isn't things happening? I, I, I think I, – I, and I did say this. I did think this was not the Bobcats a year. Like, it's almost like Southern Miss getting that magic year last year, even though maybe they needed some time to grow. I feel like the Bobcats are kind of in that position where they're having some magic time right now. And they're getting contributions from some amazing players right now, more than even the, the Southern Miss did. But I don't think I think I don't think this year is the Bobcats year. I think it might be next year, but this year's not the year. Yeah, I feel like you know Gary Joe's probably got another big transfer class yeah. next year. They've got all those high school kids they signed. Mm-hmm. They took back Texas. Like that's what I mean. Like you get to a bowl game this year, year one. Just, yeah. just enjoy that. Just enjoy that if you're if you're a Texas State fan. Yeah, and not only that. Well, the only thing GJ doesn't get to have is a is, is unfettered access to a Internet war, Word, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> he, he definitely still does. Oh, do you think he does? All right, <laughs> all right. Yeah, but I mean, he doesn't have keys to the locker room anymore, so he can't just no. <laughs> come in. Yeah, and he, just grab he, some he, guys. <laughs> he can't pass the love notes in the locker anymore. There, I can't do that. But yeah, Tibbs, you're you got your fingers on the pulse pulse of the Bobcats. Are they struggling, or are they just kind of hit a you know a temporary speed bump here? I don't think they know how to handle the success, and, mm-hmm. and I know that sounds a little weird. Yeah, they've never been in this in this position before to That's know true. what's next. It's always been all right, guys. We got to squeak in, and in and, and week twelve we can get to six wins and, and hopefully be bowl eligible. Well, they've already hit the six. And, and they don't know how to take that next step going forward. They have two games left, and I think that they do have a win left in the season. You just got to hope that it's, uh, you know, not coming down to that South Alabama game when they come uh, into town to uh, close out the season because – That's a tough game to win. We don't know what what South Alabama team is going to show up. And, nope. and so really this week's – game at Arkansas State where they kill quarterbacks apparently is is, <laughs> is really going to be the key game for them. TJ Finley might want to take out a policy because there there's some some haunted haunted stuff going on at Centennial Bank Stadium directed at opposing quarterbacks. But yes. We'll talk about that next next episode. Of course. Always always next episode. Always. <laughs> Speaking of Jonesboro and, and the haunting, okay, they traveled to the Jaguars. Yes. Got to hang out with Governor Kane Womack. No, okay. And he sent them on their way. 21-14 point losers. Yeah. Carter Bradley back through for 145. Not maybe the best numbers he had, but enough to get the Jags uh, back to even at 5-5. Five and five, Two games remaining. Are, are, are the Jags just kind of surging late and, and able to get that six six win so that they could join the Bobcats in a bowl game? Or, or do you feel that uh, that's it? Five wins yeah. is, is where we are. Remember we talked about we couldn't put a finger on why, why the Jags don't have more wins. I mean, they've got the running back. They've got the wide receiver. They've got a pretty good quarterback. They've got the defense. You know, they got a pretty good offense. Why, why do they only have four wins at that time, though? They have five. And watching this game, it was a 21-14 contest. Yeah, Arkansas State's defense 
forced more three and outs on them than they did on Arkansas State. Uh, Carter Bradley, you know, couldn't find his his guys unless it was Lacey. Uh, Ladamian uh, Webb, he broke out a big giant run to score the first touch. Well, he didn't score the first touchdown on that, but the next run he did did because it was like a 60 or 70 yard run. I mean, they've got the playmakers. You just can't really understand why they're not blowing out opponents. It's really strange. So watching that game, you know, it all came down to they needed a, a fake punt on fourth and fairly long to move the chains and it ended up uh, resulting in a touchdown. That To me, that's what turned the tide. It kind of sapped all the energy out of everybody at, on Arkansas State. And that's really what it was. It was there wasn't like anything dominating about South Alabama except they, I mean that defense is legit. That defense is fast, guys. To just watch them fly around and get people off in the backfield. But it is weird that they're not beating opponents by more. Yeah, I I still don't know what to say about South Alabama or what to expect from them next week. They seem like they have two winnable games to close it out. We're talking about them getting to a bowl. Like, it seems like they should go one and one at least in those games. But I don't hard hard to know what to expect from those guys. Yeah, and it's just kind of puzzling. Yeah, 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 like the whole time it felt like, you know, South Alabama was on the cusp of busting out the game. It would just never happen. Arkansas State would find ways to hold on, hold on, hold on, and really it was. Did you guys see how that game ended? No. <laughs> so, all right. So there's about two minutes and 20 seconds left. And Arkansas State forces a three and out. And uh, the South Alabama has to punt the ball. Now, Arkansas State has no more timeouts. But so they, ha- but they have this, this moment where they could tie the game, you know, if they can get down the field. So they go, uh, South Alabama goes to punt the ball. And Arkansas State has this freshman uh, guy on the special uh, on the special teams runs into the kicker, so it resulted in a first down, and that's how the game ended. They just ran out the clock. I was like, God, the stupidest way to lose a football game, running into the punter. But well, that's kind of life. How it, that's kind of how it is. The emotional game. Every year in Huntington, West Virginia, the, where they play for the 75, the herd able to get it done 38 33 over Georgia Southern. Mm. Several stories in this game that I that I really liked. Rashid right. Ali, 165, three touchdowns. Mm. He's got to be going on to the next level. Saw that he accepted an invitation to play in the East West All Star game. Okay. And then we had the debut of. Cole Pennington, son <laughs> of legendary herd quarterback Chad Pennington. Yeah. However, his time for Marshall started off no other than first career pass picked. <laughs> I didn't get to see any of this game, but is it unfortunate for Georgia Southern that they would get tabbed to play this 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 game? I mean, this is the big high emotion game. For oh, no, no, no doubt, you go into that game just <laughs> you got to be better in every aspect of the game, and you got to be emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually strong to even have a chance on that weekend to go to Huntington and get that win. 
So suddenly they've got five wins. Shane, are they going to get the magic six win? They might. I mean, they still have South Alabama on the schedule always, so we don't know what to expect from them. Yeah, I think they can get there, and I think that would be sort of an accomplishment with everything they've gone through this yeah. year. I mean, talk about, you know, not just uh, the storylines, you know, the, the 75, the, the next Pennington. He, he came back a game before, but, you know, J.J. Roberts is out there making tackles all over the place after – you know, being hospitalized a couple of weeks ago. Like it was just like kind of like that perfect storybook Marshall game. Like, you know, they they wrote a movie. If they hadn't already wrote a movie about Marshall, like that could have been it, you know, like it was a uh, it's because it's everything you expect out of Huntington. Yeah, and if if you're a bowl director, don't you you want you kind of want the herd, right? Because you know the fans travel, it, it's a good storyline. So it's not like you know, it's 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 like one of those teams that doesn't have much of a fan base. You're like, oh, okay, they're going to sneak in. I, I, I think that would be a good story for the Sun Belt for that to happen. Now, I'm sure South Alabama and uh, later Texas State wouldn't want to see that happen. But we'll see. Yeah, I, 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 it would be an interesting storyline. Tibbs, do, do you find this interesting at all that you get a team that wins four straight, loses five straight, and would somehow end up in a bowl game? it would be the most heard of thing ever. <laughs> and, and what a great accomplishment though for Charlie Huff. Cause I mean, I, I feel like, I don't feel like he's on the hot seat. I don't feel like maybe he's even done enough to try to move on from Marshall, but I feel like it's enough to really keep his name relevant in, in the, the football ranks of, of being that guy that can move on or that is uh, up for the next job opportunity. Do you think Tibbs that, that him seeing that these coaching vacancies kind of popping up, that maybe he kind of turned up the turned up the gas a little bit. <laughs> no, no oh, way. Okay, all right, that'd be cool. It, it's been a weird year for him though, like where we went from early on, he was the guy they were tossing out for Michigan State, yeah. to you know him taking a lot of heat from Marshall fans for a few weeks, and you know now they they can close it out. You know, with a few wins here, like I think it, I think you'd have to consider that a pretty successful season given the amount of injuries and everything else that they've gone through. And that's a wrap on the week of Sunbelt Conference action. And as always, we close it out with plugs, promos, and parting shots. Jeremy, give us your forever, never ending parting shot. <laughs> Are my parting shots that long? Do they ramble? No, no, we just have to edit it so that we stay under uh, six no. hours. Oh, well, that's fine. I'll try to keep this brief. It will be a parting shot, though. So, you know, uh, I don't know about, you know, how it is on the East Coast. I, I feel like Dusty recognizes this, uh, being a citizen of the Deep South. Uh, it's uh, deer and uh, duck hunting season, guys. I don't know if you're aware of that. I, I, I don't hunt. I, I'm not from a hunting family, but many in Arkansas do. And that actually really hurts attendance at football games all over. Not just, you know, places like ULM and Arkansas State, but 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 bigger schools too. And uh like this, Georgia State. 
that's one of definitely they've been hunting at georgia state for 10 years but uh <laughs> they gotta get them out of deer woods i guess but my point is is that at arkansas state you got this big game against texas state and the, this is one of the first meaningful games in november arkansas state has had in maybe five years at least 2019 so which is i guess four years so get out of the deer woods get out of the duck blind for a couple hours spend some time at centennial bank park you'll see a big rivalry game a game that matters between two programs texas state making sure that they get that bowl bid arkansas state trying to become bowl eligible which was something that arkansas state fans said that's the measuring stick of a successful season you need to be there to push them over the edge so arkansas state fans i will see you at centennial bank stadium i'll be providing coverage all week long on howraiser.com i'll give my parting shot next there shane so that you can close us out with your high and mighty james madison opinionated views Yes, we've got to give him all the space he needs. My chest is going to be black and blue after this from beating it that I am an all-American voter. Bow before me. Nice. Guys, I'll say that it's it's really weird being behind the scenes and seeing kind of how it all shakes out and comes together. Oh, okay. The unsung heroes of this really are the sports information directors, though, and how they get that information out to us on the voting committee and to the FWA as a whole. So kudos to y'all for getting the information out there. If your guys are not getting the love, guess what? You got to drop some emails, got to drop some postcards in the mail, pick up the phone, text, smoke signal, call, whatever. But you got you to do some due diligence there to get your guys some love in the postseason. It definitely makes it a lot easier, especially for the G5, when you have way more information that you can throw at people on the committee. And that's mm-hmm. my party shot. That's an excellent part. It is. <laughs> I, to- I totally agree with you, even though I wasn't on the uh, the choosing committee. No, I'm not that special. But you know, my parting shot will just be a little bit of an apology to Jeremy and the oh. good folks of Northeast Arkansas. Wow. I read your post on Hellraiser about you know kind of what. Red Wolves football can mean to Northeast Arkansas, like what that region is like. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we need to apologize for making the joke that there's only vets and not hospitals in Jonesboro. (laughs) (laughs) You you moved me with that piece, Jeremy. (laughs) Well, good. You know, we've got steel mills in in Northeast Arkansas and and all sorts of corn and soybeans. And stuff, but yes, yes. Uh, my point was that you know you, you have to celebrate the victories of Northeast Arkansas, and one way to do that is when the football team has a nice win, you report on it. So thank you, Shane, for pointing that out. I appreciate that. Yeah, because I know you guys aren't going to get the Jonas Brothers to visit like some Sun Belt teams. So <laughs> you hear what's happening? <laughs> what are we going to do with uh, the big man over here? Yeah, because that's really what I'm looking forward to this Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, keep your wife away from the Jonas Brothers. Yeah. 